Evan Paul here, hanging with Warren Zeters. What's happening? Well, we get started, I'm going to help you out real quick. Ziders. Oh. Dang, man. <laughs> How many times does that happen? Uh, a lot. A D- lot. Man, the whole time. And then I'm always the dude who's like, hey, I'm just going to help you. I'm glad you, start, you told me right in the beginning or else, you know, the whole thing would have had to be re-edited. <laughs> We had a good time talking about Warren Ziders about what he's got coming up. This kid's brilliant, man. He's got a lot going on. Uh, thank you so much for listening. By the way, uh, at the end of the Warren Ziders podcast, there's a special edition, uh, a hidden track. We added another interview with uh, John Party uh, at the end of that. It's a little bit shorter, but it's coming up right after this one. Uh, tell me the story about you getting signed to Warner when you were like 20-something, right out of college. Uh, man, uh, so I wasn't out of college. I dropped out. <laughs> Amen. Um, so, yes, anyone listening, you can do it. Um, but the story, it's so weird, man. Uh, being in college, thinking that you're about to graduate, you're going to go into the workforce, the whole nine, and then one thing leads to another, you got every single record label. And you have no idea about this industry. You have no idea how it works. You're under the, under the assumption that to get into the music industry is through American Idol. <laughs> right. Literally, that's yeah. what I thought growing okay. up. Okay. Because I had no one who was in the music industry, nobody musically talented, who was like, oh, yeah, I know Joe Schmo. Um, but anywho, uh, I had everybody and anyone. I was in New York. I was in Nashville. I was out in L.A. meeting with everybody. And the story for signing was they just had the right personnel. And they had the right personalities. And um, really, shout out to Warner. They rolled out the red carpet for me. What were you about to set into the job force and do? I know you played lacrosse and whatnot, but uh, were you about to do that professionally or were you about to get into something? No, there was no uh, goals to go play professionally. Uh, For me, it was just going to college to play, which was always my hope and dream. I've had seven concussions, so that ended shortly for me. Uh, after two years of playing, I say playing lightly because I was pretty much sidelined for two concussions my freshman year. Um, but that being said, I have a background in marketing and sales. Shout out to my parents, a uh, huge business acumen family. Parents had real estate, parents had businesses that I worked at growing up, sold cars for two years with my pops. And um, I thought maybe medical sales would be where I would lean towards and make some pretty good money. So. Wow. We're so far uh, removed from that. (laughs) Yes. That's crazy. Um, And you have a great voice. Did you have any formal training at all? No formal training. I think that I always loved music. I was always humming a tune, always singing something. And I just think that over the years, it just developed. It was never singing in a band. It was never singing in the church choir. It was either singing in the church pews. It was backyard bonfires with friends and, hey, Warren, go grab your guitar and play a couple songs. But no, there was no formal training. Are you in any sort of Facebook group of people that have had seven concussions? That, I mean, that's like not a lot of people can say they have seven. A, B, how many more, like, is there a number that humans can have? Obviously, you can't play sports anymore, but are you walking around worried like that a ladder is going to fall on your head or something? I wouldn't say that I live my life worried. Uh, and honestly, I don't have a switch in me that like I can turn off that it's like, I can't, I'm always living my life to the fullest. I love snowboarding, love wakeboarding. So you can do anything in this life and get hurt and get concussions, whatever it might be. Um, but nah, I ain't slowing down anytime soon. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, the cover of Tennessee whiskey that you did on TikTok uh, blew up like a few years ago. What was the like tangible effects of that song? The tangible effects. I think that when it came to posting certain covers on social media, it was artists that I loved. It was what I was listening to at that time, and I just loved the way my voice sounded with that song, the way the song progresses and the melody. It was just very fitting that. It was for my vocal and love Chris Stapleton, love his voice. So um, I post that video on social media, no regards of pursuing a music career. I go to bed that night and wake up. It's got 300, 400,000 views. And I'm like, <laughs> what is this app? And there's comments of, this is amazing. What's your music? And people are like already trying to figure out if I'm an artist. And I'm like, no, I just posted a video last night and went to bed. and. That's what I'm listening to. Wow. So it's a weird story, man. What do your parents think of it? It's been so unique because I'll condense the story, but parents, you know, I'm in school. I'm on the home stretch. I'm so close to graduating. They're like, you need to graduate. They don't understand numbers on a phone, views, followers, whatever it might be, streams. Now they do. Now. Now they understand, um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow when I was like, I'm out, I'm graduate, I'm dropping out of college, but, um, it was funny. There's a, there was a moment in time after doing this for months of posting and posting, and it was for pure enjoyment, no mindset flip yet of this is something that I'm going to chase. It wasn't until, uh, finally I went one night, bought two microphones, interface, I have no idea what I'm doing. Watch a YouTube video, plug it all in, record my entire acoustic cover album in my childhood bedroom, and my first song I wrote on the run. Put that out, and my parents were like, okay, and then, managers reaching out, dudes reaching out, check your DMs, there's record labels in my DMs. So I'm like, parent, so I go down and see my manager, who's still my dude today, and a month later, I tell my parents, hey, you should come down with me. When it clicked for my parents was when I was on the streets of Nashville and people were coming up to me saying, hey, you're Warren Ziders. Wow. I follow you on Instagram. I love your stuff on YouTube. I see you on TikTok. Wow. And that's when the wheels started to turn. And then shortly after, that's when I signed my record deal. Wow. So the, I feel like they, they get it. Are they still like, uh, well, you got to get your degree. Oh, no. That has been left in the dust. Okay, my, my mom is now my business manager. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Former CFO. Providing jobs. Accountant. And then my dad's actually coming out on the road with me. There it the is. Fall. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, on the new album, you reach back to cover the, one of Chris Stapleton's songs, um, Inside Your Head. Why'd you pick that song? Well, obviously, I'm a huge Chris fan, and I thought it was very fitting, but I was, I'm not opposed to outside songs if they make sense for my voice, the story, what needs to be told. If I can tell the story, and I can believe in it, and I can sell the story, then I'll take, I'll sing the song, I'll cut this, I'll cut the song. So that's the only one on this record, and my first outside song I've ever cut. Well, Chris Stapleton sings a demo of it. So I get the demo. And I'm listening to this Chris Stapleton demo, and I've been listening to songs along the way, left and right, and I'm like, this isn't the vibe, this doesn't fit the, this doesn't fit the cohesiveness of this record. So I get that one sent over, and I knew immediately when I listened to it. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it better than Chris, and I'm not even going to approach it like that. I think that's the wrong mindset to have. 
I'm going to do my best version to make this a Warren Zider song. So sang it in the studio, turned out exactly how I wanted it to. And I even had the chance of meeting uh, Lee Miller, the other writer, at my listening party. He said, I can't tell you how many times this song's been passed around for years and people deny it because they listen to the Chris demo. Wow. So fun full circle moment. Do you think you'll ever tell Chris that or you'll ever meet Chris? Uh, well, I was hoping to meet Chris. I just opened up for George Strait in May and Chris is on the bill. Um, but those two, man, they're ghosts. You finish the show and they're, they're gone. So I would actually love to maybe one day put it out with Chris or even sing it on stage one day with Chris. I think that'd be really cool. Okay. Tell yeah. me what your thoughts were when you saw the tweet from Jelly Roll uh, that said, I think Warren Ziders is about to have a big moment. That was on July 27th. I was, uh, I was out on the road. I was just out on the road for three weeks out west. And um, I got in a text. I didn't even see it on Twitter. I got in a text with a screenshot saying, yo, look what Jelly said. And honestly, man, huge shout out to Jelly. He's having a hell of a year. He is just such a down-to-earth human. And honestly, he was the kind of the first dude in this industry. Um, he brought me out on stage. We played a festival together. I was on the bill. Brings me out. We sing Simple Man. And he just has this welcoming feel. And I think that there's this mutual respect of just, you know, real, ne- real recognizes real. And um, he's just been awesome to get to know. We played a couple more shows together. And... Um, so seeing that from him being the first dude kind of in the industry to kind of take me under his wing and say something, those words of affirmation, it was just super, super nice and super sweet. Have there been any other country artists that have kind of taken you under the wing or tried to give you advice or? You know, uh, actually, shout out to Craig Campbell. I met him early on because him and I put out the cover of Outskirts of Heaven, his song. It's hilarious the amount of times he's told me that he sings that song night after night and people say, Man, you sang the shit out of that Warren Zider song. <laughs> and he's just like, and I say with a smile on my face, yes, I do. And, um, but uh, Craig was probably the first one I really met. Also met Eric Pasley as well, um, but he's really fallen into the songwriting portion, to, to my knowledge, but him and I wrote Ride Lightning together. So there's been people along the way that have been very welcoming, heartfelt. I just think that, with what Jelly's achieving and everything with how much the spotlight he's in right now, it was just, uh, it was very meaningful to, you know, get that recognition. Okay. Um, you talk about, you know, you don't really take too many outside songs. What song on Pretty Little Poison almost didn't make it because it was too personal? Mm-hmm. Oh, the song that I would say is, that's probably one of the most personal songs on the record, I would say, um, is Pretty Little Poison. And Loves a Leaving. And uh, that song's not out. Loves a Leaving's not out yet. It'll be out here momentarily. Or is this airing? Yeah. It's out? Yeah, yeah it's, it's out. out. It's, it's out, out, y'all. It's yeah. out. <laughs> it's out. Check it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so that one was so, like, uh, yeah. personal. That was a hard one. Okay. Yeah. Um, your streaming numbers for the 717 are just out or out of control. What's the secret or what's the recipe of making the transition from a social media artist to mainstream? I think um, there is, there's no secret formula. There's no secret sauce. Uh, people try to crack the code, so to speak, or how did Warren do it? I think for me was the organic story. And I think people bought in along the way, watching this dude spend night after night on lives on Instagram, TikTok, 
playing music for two hours and watching me record acoustic stuff in my bedroom. And they just followed along on this journey and my marketing and sales background, I started branding myself. So I started keeping these people along with me and bringing them along. And I always like to say this too, I listen to my fans, the Taylor Swift method. I listen to the fans, what they want from me, what are they saying? And I'm so heavily prevalent on social media still. I'm still posting my own stuff. I'm putting text on the videos. I'm writing the captions. So I'm so ingrained in that universe that they still feel loved and attended to, attended to. And I think that that's showing up when they show up to the shows. So I think we had a really a clear sign of when it came to going out on the touring route. You know, it, this is a big move. You go from, can he do it? He's never performed before. Can this dude get on stage and sing and entertain a crowd? The whole conception of, oh, they're just a social media sensation. I don't know if they're actually genuinely an artist. Well, I put up my first tour, 15 dates, acoustic guitar and me. Sold out in 24 hours, 15 dates. I go out there. First show, I am absolutely hearts pumping through my chest. But after that night, I said, this is what I was meant to do. Wow. Okay. And you were mentioning about TikTok and, you know, you get feedback from the fans. How much do you, have you ever used that to apply to like, well, man, I thought this was a banger and no one likes it, so I'm not putting it out. I don't know if I would go that far that where, because the way social media works too, you can have something that lives and has a resurgence, or maybe it's not the right time for this song. So, you know, I've already posted stuff on social media with some of the stuff on this new record hasn't had the engagement I'm thinking, but all it takes is the album to come out for them to listen to it. Maybe they find a different meaning for it. Maybe they use it in a different way. You could look on social media the next day and it's off to the races. So do you ever, have you ever deleted like a video because it didn't do well? Um, I'm hundred percent sure I probably have because I've probably been like, you know what, maybe I want to try this again another time. Maybe it's not the time right now, but yeah, there's a lot of strategy that goes into it, but there's no formula. Okay. <laughs> What's the live show like now? Um, oh. Is it just as acoustic or is it start? Is it like, Oh, it's full band. Uh, it's between me, my drummer, guitar player, piano, steel, bass. And um, it's honestly, it, what's so exciting is, is I don't like to give too much away about it because people come with their predetermined notions, but they show up and then they leave and they're like, I was not ready for that. Nice. And, I, and I think it's a curveball, whether it's the song choices, whether it's the covers, whether it's just the overall energy and vibe of it. It's a, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to see. How many covers do you try to do per like show? Um, between ones that I do acoustically, I'll normally do one or two, and then we do a couple rock and roll stuff, you know, okay. little transitions into songs and stuff. Yeah. Is there any artist in country music that kind of like, um, created sort of like a template that you want to follow for the next few years or are you wanting to go totally off on your own? I don't even know if I would say template. I think that, you know, as a dude who wasn't doing this, and people are like, I don't believe that that was your first ever live show you played when I played it because the way you performed and demanded, controlled and demanded and spoke to the crowd, it was, but I think that they was just instilled and it was a part of me that I just never knew I had. So when it comes to the whole live performance, you know, I look at Morgan Wallen, I look at how someone like George Strait can just stand there with a smile on his face and people love it. I think I draw from seeing how big Taylor Swift's spectacle has become and it's a I think I want to draw from not just country, but all different types of genres 
to make it not just a good live show, but a spectacle. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Uh, I mean, the first one that comes to the mind, what's one of the most like ingrained in your head? I don't know about you. But I'm <laughs> it's like this so stuck in your head. The song that never leaves your brain. I don't know. Aren't you 22? 24. Okay. 24. So recently though, when mm-hmm. that came out, were you, was that your jam? <laughs> Dude, it's funny. I didn't even get to celebrate my 21st birthday because I turned 21 when the bars were closed. Oh, yeah, man. I got, yeah, I got. Oh, yeah. oh during the COVID or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that stinks. Yeah. I think you're the first ever country artist that ever played lacrosse. Like a lot of them have baseball backgrounds and stuff like that. Um, are you going to be able to translate that into golf? Because the country world golfs and you got to be on the golfing charts. Oh, yeah. I, um, I went ahead and, uh, I think I've golfed now 10 games, okay. some 18 holes, some nine, but the touring world, man, you get to go some of the coolest places in the world. So I went ahead and took it upon myself, played three times with my buddy with his clubs. And I went ahead and bought some clubs myself. If you follow me on social media, you can see all the golfing photos of me. You're not seeing me on a bad day with videos, but on a good day, I'll show you some videos. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, because there's like a there's like a, a totem pole of country artists and golf. Oh and, yeah, you know, forget trying to get to number one and all that. <laughs> I want you to get up on the totem pole of the golf charts. <laughs> so good luck, man. Thank you, thank you. Uh, we're excited about this album, man. It's not it's your major label debut, I guess, but not your debut. But yeah. this is a, this is a good thing, man. You're doing good stuff. We appreciate you coming by. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Now, a special bonus on this episode, I got to sit down with John Party over a Zoom. I'm at my house, so I don't have my microphone. The audio quality on my end is, is, is not great, so I apologize for that. Also, we had to um, you know, take out a couple questions. I had asked John Party about what his next single was going to be after his current song, Your Heart or Mine, and uh, he told me, but then um, you know, as people circle back and we're like, hey... We're not really announcing that yet. So I took that part out. So this is the whole John Party interview minus that part. Congrats on the baby, man. I don't think I've talked to you since then. Uh, how's everything going? Are you tired? No, I mean, Presley, she, she'll, she's a sleeper. Really? You yeah. got lucky? Yeah, she's, she'll, we, she goes down at like 7.20 at night and then doesn't wake up to like 7.30. Oh my gosh! It's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Was fatherhood, other than that, harder than you imagined? Easier? Like, give me the vibe after your first six months. Baby needs a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, we went to the pool yesterday, and literally, it took us two hours to get out of the damn house. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I did the same thing. I. It used to be like 15 minutes. I'm going to grab a bottle of Tito's and some club soda and let's go. Now it's like, (laughs) I got to get a stroller. I got to have a a crib. I got to have a diaper bag. You know, Summer's like freaking out. Like we got to get Presley's. It's just chaotic. (laughs) Um, Is there any sort of behavior or something that you've quit or really thought about since she was born? Like, are you eat? Are you eating better? Or is anything like, oh man, I got a kid now. I better. Well, I mean, I'm always always trying to stay healthy, so that really never, you know. I didn't. I don't really eat horrible, but you know, road life, road life sucks. Some food sometimes, but 
Um, you know, I, I just try to take care of myself, but you know, you do think about that a little more, but it's not like I haven't been thinking about that. Right. Okay. Is there anybody out of genre that you would ever want to work with? I don't know. As of right now, we just try to focus on what what I can do in country music besides trying to dream up some other pop act or something, but nothing against that I wouldn't. I just, you know, uh, for when it comes to collaborating, you know, it all comes down to the song. For me, I'm not just gonna, I'm not gonna sing a chorus on a love song just to be a part of the song. Does that make sense? Like it's gotta, Definitely. it gotta make sense. Like you get a lot of ask, and it all comes down to the song. And regardless if it's in another genre or it's another person coming into country music, it would have to be the right song. Okay, you once told me that you can't outwrite Nashville. You know, you gotta, you gotta look for good writers as well as your own. What um what do you think about using artificial intelligence for writing? Um I don't think I, I don't know. That's it's a weird thing. I mean, if you want to do it to get your quota up so you can get out of your pub deal, go ahead, man. <laughs> but uh I don't know. I I people use it. I mean, AI is going to take over the world and it's going to be scary. So uh, you, you go ahead and use that. I'll just keep with my co-writers. Okay. But so would you ever, even if the world came to that, like, are you, could you ever, would you like retire before that? Or would you ever co-write with AI? If I'm going to co-write with AI, it better walk in with a damn coffee mug and wheel in there and start talking to me. And I start asking the damn questions. I want to see it in person. I want a damn robot come in. All right, I'm going to ride with Wally today. <laughs> here, Wally's coming in here. I'm going to ride with him. <laughs> At least it'll be in person. But yeah, I rode with a robot today. What, he was all right. He, you know, he, he talked a lot. <laughs> what? Uh, what's the latest project you're working on at the house? Trying to build a new house. It's just been uh, problem after problem with the... Uh, codes and metro but we're we're uh we're working on it i'm in davidson county that's nashville and like nashville is like i bet these codes people got like it's like a movie where you see just stacks of paper of people trying to build stuff in nashville and they're just like over they're over they're overworked and not enough help i don't know so but we're working on it. we're being nice are you able to bring like all the cows and all that stuff yeah i'm, I'm waiting on surveyors to get the Fence line survey, so I put fences up. Okay. You got to be real patient. Um, got to be patient. Or you just start looking to buy somebody else's house that you want to live in. Yeah, there you go. You just buy someone else's farm, man. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years back, you said you were getting uh, your wife a cow for Christmas, and now that she's a mother, is she excited to to take care of the cows, or is she not? Is she like, man, these damn cows? She never really took care of the cows. She likes looking at them. Um. The cows are easy, man. They they just out there gra- they out there grazing, grazing in the rain. They they they're pretty self sustainable. I mean, they're just all out there. When the goats, my favorite, the goats. Do do you guys ever get out? Does she ever get out and look at like the animals as much anymore? Or is it kind of like over it? No, we we all, we see on the back deck. We all see them. I mean, they're okay. they're chilling. What are their but names? Uh, I, shit, I don't know. Reba, we got Reba. 
she's she's kind of a redheaded uh, Highland cow. And then um, Holly, Kyle, and Opal, and Daisy. So I didn't I didn't name me, but that's just what they named them. I don't know. Cow one, it. cow two, cow three, tag here, <laughs> cow four, cow five. <laughs> Have you been anywhere in public and heard your harder mind and you were like, whoa? Yeah, man, I, I hear it. I hear it a lot now, um, you know, and it sounds sounds great on the radio. I, I think I think it sticks out from most of the other songs on the radio, but in a good way. You know, it's it's very it's got a little slamming gangster vibe to it, you know, and it gets I hear it. I hear it. You know it. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it kind of hits hard. So it's it's been a, a fun one to play live, and it's been fun to see it grow and everybody learning and singing it back. It's definitely gonna be a number one, man. We're rooting for you, brother. Well, I appreciate everything you guys help out with. Thank you, sir, man. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. All right, man. All right, we want to bring in Billy Dukes from behind the scenes to uh, discuss these interviews here. All right, what you got, man? I feel like John Pardee's response to your AI question was like <laughs> the most on-brand response you could have possibly wanted from him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like uh, with John Pardee, I've realized that uh, you let him answer a question and then you don't speak and he'll keep going. So like I knew he had more in him and when he started answering it, you know, I, I didn't speak, and then he came back with, you know, like when a robot can wheel its way into the room, you know, and I bring me some coffee. I was like, dude, that's the juice. Like, he always has the good stuff. And he reached back with Wally, a Wally reference. You remember that movie, Wally? Oh, that's like man. early 2000s Pixar animation, if I'm not mistaken. Gosh, Maybe I don't in the 90s. Think, I think I remember the name, but I don't remember seeing it. Is yeah. that right around the Toy Story days? It was in there. Okay. It was in there. I'm not sure I saw it either, but I think it was Wall, W A L L, and then hyphen. E, and he was this robot, and I don't know. What that makes sense. Name. I mean, Party's got a cow named Holly Cow, so I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's good, but you know, I do, I do wonder if maybe he, I don't know, you think he's actually toyed with it at all? Because even the songwriters who are traditional look at it, what it can do, and how it can maybe prevent writer's block, and see there's a little bit of a benefit to maybe just, man, eh, let me just type this one thing in here to see what's going on. I you know with everyone else I would say yes, but with Party I feel like he doesn't even like I feel like he's like on a flip phone. Like I I feel like he's one of those guys that is like not into it. Technology and just is just old school. You think he's taking writing songs with like the old school yellow ledger pad? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if pen. you're lucky. Like I'm thinking like he's napkin writing. Like <laughs> You know, party's napkin writing for sure. That's a great question. I want to start asking people. His pen dies. He's like, hey, Donna, honey, can you bring me in a new ink yeah. pen? Thank you, darling. <laughs> what's the question there? I want. There's a question in there somewhere. Like, what's the weirdest thing you've written a song on? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people <laughs> I have said thought... bar napkins. I think the strangest one was, um, there's a Willie Nelson song. And it's a really well-known Willie Nelson song, but I'm blanking on what it is. But the the start of it or the sketch of it was written on like the wrapper of a maxi pad. Wow! And I don't know where. Like that was the only piece of paper he had to write on. Yeah. This is like back in the seventies. But so like there was something like that that 
happened. A song was born there. Okay, I I feel like that's party. Like I feel like your heart or mine was written on like a heart shaped post it. You know that was just around. Yeah, hey, this is your heart or mine. He's like John. Just someone's like John. Just write it on your iPhone. Ah, his iPhones technology yeah. bots. <laughs> yeah. Someone's gonna steal the idea. Of government. Yeah, that's how I see John Party. <laughs> We're painting the guy into being like a tin. <laughs> Poor guy. Or I know. He's, he's not. He's, he's yeah. <laughs> He seems like a really reasonable, like, down-to-earth opinion. <laughs> yeah, he probably already has, like, the iPhone 20, you know, who knows. What do you think about Warren Ziders? First time meeting this guy, what was your kind of expectations coming in, and how did that uh, match? I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't really know much about him, but uh, I tell you, when he when he came in, he really knows how to own a room, and he's very quiet. Like, yes. he, uh, I don't know, people that talk quiet like that, like, they get your attention. Big in the room, I would say. Yeah. Like, he fills the room because he's... Tall, very good looking man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was dressed to the T's mm-hmm. and uh, like Joe Nichols, like all black, but it was like uh, everything fit like perfect. You know, like it was like, yeah, it's hard to explain, but it, I follow this guy on Instagram that's a cowboy and all he does is get dressed every day with his cowboy stuff. And it's it's like that. Like, it's just so like, he's just so put together and like the lines are crispy. Yeah. that And then the soft spokenness. Yeah, almost threw me for a loop because it wasn't like he was poorly spoken. He he, he was very well spoken. Like he had very clear yeah answers and everything you asked him, he had a a great answer for that seemed organic. It didn't seem like he was just repeating like bullet points like involved yeah. in the conversation. But it was always very well. You see, Evan. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It was, now, it was like that. I wonder if that'll change uh, as he you know gets more calloused in the industry per se. Like this is probably his first few interviews. Yeah, it, it probably, um, but like I've, like it wasn't like a shyness that it's going to wear off to me. I feel like it was just yeah, kind of how he goes about things, which was interesting. Reminds me of um, like a Parker McCollum in the sense of yeah, I feel they both come from money. Like like Ziders was talking about his dad owning some car dealerships, right? Parker, you know, he can't hide money. He's got something going on there. Um, and then they're both like well spoken and quiet. So what I've learned from that is if you want to seem wealthy, just lower your volume. And dress really well. And both dress really well. Extremely well. Yeah. Right? But like yeah. And it wasn't even like a suit or anything. It was just it was just well manicured, tailored, and soft spoken. Right. Those are the keys to looking uh like you got it together. Yeah, he wasn't getting his shirts from like not Target. where I get mine. Yeah, no, not <laughs> at all. No, no, no. Um, yeah, no. Parker, I think his dad is in uh, home building. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. They got yeah. There's some money going on in those. I once saw on a Parker video, one of his artist friends on his uh, bus video commented, "Can't hide money," and I thought right. that was funny. Like you know. Yeah, he um, I was thinking about Warren, and I, I'm funneling everything this week through like topic of oliver anthony because like he is such like a big story and i've read yeah. a ton about him and like his viral success is really sort of interesting and then i'm looking at warren ziders who had some viral success and in a lot of ways he did sort of play the slow the long game that like oliver anthony's team is saying they're going to play they're going to take their time doing things they're not going to rush um warren played that game where he had the chris stapleton but then continued to show up and do the tiktok videos and everything and, and was really intentional uh i wonder if that's the right way to use viral fame 
I I mean personally, I don't think so. I don't know. Like you can it, strike with the money's irons hot. I would like who's going to be offering this? Uh, what's the guy's name? The uh, Richmond, North of Richmond, Oliver. An- Oliver. Anthony. Nobody's going to be offering him eight million dollars when that song's not number one. I mean, he can think they will, or, or yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. it's fifteen minutes of fame. It's been like that since the beginning of time. You know, I people are just going to forget their lives, move on, and now Oliver Anthony. Is he's going to take his time? He's going to have to have another viral hit, you know, or what's it going to be a year from now? I don't know. I don't see him like opening up for anybody, or I don't know. Well, you know, I think maybe you hit on what maybe with the difference in there. I mean, Oliver Anthony's success was so huge. I mean, he's getting eight million dollars offer, eight million dollar offers. No one was throwing that kind of money to Warren. I don't think right out of the gate. Yeah, but also taking stock of like being realistic about where you're at in your profession, like. Warren probably looked at it and thought, okay, you know what? I had this one moment. I haven't played any shows. I haven't done a ton of songwriting. Like, what do I have in the bank that can kind of maintain a career here while I'm in the flurry of it? Yeah. Or if Oliver Anthony, I don't, he's probably thinking the same thing. So maybe that's why he's acting slowly. But I'm not sure he's starting at the same talent level as, as Warren. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. The Richmond song is a viral hit, but it like there's some songwriting flaws in it. Like I don't know that it's a yeah, it's a, a great song. And what are the rest of his uh, library? The Richmond guy, a, a mixed bag. Okay, so I just did a post of Oliver Anthony songs, and there's 16 of them that I think have been released to Spotify, and one or two that are really really good. Uh, he has a song called Virginia that I think is okay, uh, a must listen song. It's not. It doesn't talk about social strife at all. It's more just sort of this love letter to the state of Virginia. But it's got some really interesting things he does melodically, and the lyrics are good. Um, and he has another one called I've Got to Get Sober. That's really personal and really good. Uh, he's really good at, like, the opening couplet. He has, like, a great first two lines. Okay. Like, an eight of the songs. Like, just bangers. Uh, and he then the, okay. fires them off, and he gets through the chorus, and then the song sometimes kind of goes downhill a little bit. But then he's got some songs that are, like, you can tell maybe he just released them because he knows he's hot and wants to get some ears on these songs. And, and maybe they're the kind of songs that a, a more seasoned songwriter wouldn't put out. I say take that money and run, man. I'm not sure I don't, I, I'm not sure I don't agree with you. I think, I, I, think, uh, I think take it as well. I mean, eight million bucks. Take it. You can help a lot of people. If that's your aim, yeah. help a lot of people with eight, eight million dollars. Yeah. Like, you can do a lot of good with eight million. Yeah, I wonder if Ziders would uh, would if given that opportunity would take the money or do what he's doing. What's a lot of money these days for someone? Like if if you're 21 and you get offered a check, like where's the line? Like the in 2023, what's a lot of money? I mean, uh, I, I mean, if you're 21, I would say a couple hundred thousand. Like I would be like, wow. I, I might say a million. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, but like I would tap out if I was in college and someone was like, hey, leave college and uh, I'll give you 500 grand uh, to come make an album. I would probably take it because <laughs> you're 21. I mean, see, now I'm the opposite. I, I older in life, I would take less. OK, uh, like five hundred thousand dollars to me. I feel like I can. Yeah, more with. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, we could do a whole separate episode about money we wish we didn't spend. Yeah. Like, basically, what I'm asking is, how much would it take you to sell out, Evan? Uh, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> probably, like, <laughs> probably like a sell out in like never work again. Like it is a couple coupons to the Whataburger, and I'm yeah, good. no, no, no. <laughs> Maybe like a couple million dollars, something that's investable. Yep. Okay.
And thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Taste of Country Nights, on demand. It's part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.